Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto, you have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Find me in the club. Ring the bell, sucker. This is Movie Fighters, the show where Chris Sims and I, Matt Wilson, we watch movies and we beat them up. And folks, we have reached the final installment of our first run at rapper slash actor right back at you, our series of movies. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian ciabatta with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto, you have my affection. For you complete the ciabatta collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Starring rappers. We have a very special one this episode, because not only does a rapper star in this movie, it was also written by that very same actor. That's right, it's rapper slash actor slash writer. Triple threat! The movie we are watching, to close this out, is called Gun, starring and written by Curtis 50 Cent Jackson. Chris, what do you think? What what are your initial feelings? Matt, you know that I am a fan of uh, of Mr. Scent. Certainly, you like to use his video game Blood on the Sand as the literal measuring stick by which all other items are judged. By which all other items, yes. Not all other games, but all other literal physical objects within the world. In that you take photos with 50 Cent Blood on the Sand to show scale. Yes, exactly. Okay, look. 50 Cent Blood on the Sand is an amazing game. Like, it's super fun. It's completely ridiculous. It's the it's the Saints Row of third-person shooters, which is weird, because you would think Saints Row would be the Saints Row of third-person shooters, right? Yes. But I guess Saints Row is the Saints Row of sandbox games. <laughs> yes. The, 50 Cent Blood on the Sand, very linear, very ridiculous... Because of how ridiculous and weird and fun that game is, I kind of developed a an affection for 50 Cent, but also that the game is called 50 Cent Blood on the Sand, and it's a game about Curtis Jackson going to the vague Middle East and essentially toppling a government by looking for a 
crystal skull that is being kept from him that is his payment for performing a concert. That is brilliant and amazing, and I love it so much. Now, is 50 Cent the credited writer of Blood on the Sand? No, he does, of course, provide a voice. Of course. But I do not believe he was credited as writer. I, I believe he might have been credited as a producer of the game. He is, in fact, the writer of Gun. And here's all we get as a synopsis on IMDb for this movie. A drama set in the world of gun running. That, that's it. That's the extent okay. of, the, of the synopsis. But the cast list certainly tells a story. And it tells the story of, this is a movie fighter's movie. <laughs> right. Let me, let me list off some names for you, okay? Okay. John Larroquette. Oh, love him. Love him. Uh, Lala. Former MTV not, VJ, Lala. Okay, not familiar at all with Lala. Danny Trejo. Love him. James Remar. Love some James Remar. This is at least the second time James Remar has shown up in a Movie Fighters movie, and maybe the third? I know he took over as Raiden in the second Mortal Kombat movie. They could not bring back, uh, unfortunately, the great Christopher Lambert they to reprise not. the role of Raiden. So they had to get James Remar. And I think James Both Remar... Both of whom I think are uniquely suited to play the Japanese God of Thunder, right? Yeah, obviously. Uh, that's, that's some real Hollywood thinking. I would not be surprised if James Remar hasn't been in another movie we've watched and we just forgot. Entirely possible. But I know for sure that he was in uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Also in this movie, Annalyn McCord, the female lead of Santa's Little Helper. The title character, in fact, of Santa's Little Helper. Well, you find out at the end that she has become the title character. We've we've spoiled the yeah, entire look, movie. Everyone listening to this has been on that journey with us. They they know they know how uh, Santa's Little Helper, starring Annalyn McCord and Mike the Miz Mizanin, ends. And then uh, the the second build actor after Fifty Cent in Gun is Val Kilmer, who I am oh. shocked has not been in more. Movie Fighters movies. How stoked are you right now, though? I, I feel like this could go either way. I really do. Because here's another telling detail. Uh, there are five production companies listed for Gun, which was also a direct-to-video direct movie made in 2010. FYI. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One of those production companies is... 120 tax credit finance. <laughs> oh, just putting it, putting it right out there. <laughs> so this movie was a write-off, my friend, <laughs> for everyone involved. So we're going to see. We're going to see how it goes. I, but look, I'm sure 50 Cent lovingly crafted this script. It, it it almost has to be a a labor of love for for Fiddy, right? 
Almost certainly has to be. Matt, how do you feel about 50 Cent? I, I have positive feelings for the most part. Okay. But okay, I, that's good. I can't say, like, I've ever been, like, enthralled by 50 Cent, the musician. Mm-hmm. But I've always been interested in 50 Cent, the public persona. 50 Cent, mm-hmm. how he presents himself to the world. And he's kind of becoming, in my mind, sort of a, a rapper similar to DMX, who, who kind of had his time in the spotlight, had his time as, like, the world's top rapper, mm-hmm. and then f- had to figure out what to do after that. They both kind of tried to make it as actors, and now they're just kind of floating out there, still really famous, still presumably making music, but not really in the spotlight anymore. And so, more and more, I see both of them, like, just kind of showing up in places and giving their weird perspective on issues. Like, I saw 50 Cent on an episode of The Nightly Show, where (laughs) he kept saying things, and this was back when The Nightly Show had, like, that very regimented panel segment, And 50 Cent was on the panel, and every time he said something, everybody else on the panel sort of, like, was surprised by what he said, but also not sure that they agreed with him. (laughs) So it made for a very strange dynamic. But yeah, I find 50 Cent to be a very interesting guy. Yeah, like, I am currently enamored uh, of reading about his feud with Rick Ross, in which Rick Ross demolished him verbally. (laughs) To the point where, like, I like I said, I have an affection for the man, but I had genuine sympathy for how hard he got burned and the things that the boss Rick Ross was saying about about Fifty Cent. Look it up if you want to. Yes, I I may include I might find a summary of the Fifty Cent Rick, Rick Ross feud beef and put it in the show notes somewhere. That's right. When it's not pro wrestling, it is it is called a beef. When it's between two rappers, yes, <laughs> I corrected myself. I corrected myself for pro wrestling lingo as quickly as I could. All right, let's see how Gun turns out. But before we do, Chris, snack situation. That's right. This is the hottest segment in podcasting. And Chris, we're actually recording this episode a little later in the day than we typically do. Yeah, if we seem a little low energy, that that might be the uh, the reason why. We've eased into our day already. This is not a this is not a wake up, chug some coffee and put on a movie starring starring James Hong and uh Carrie Yuki Tagawa, our faves. <laughs> this is a this is a very chill, laid back movie fighting session. So it is one of the only times, if not the only time, we've ever recorded Movie Fighters at the dinner hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we could call this dinner situation. Chris, what are you snacking on over there? Well, Matt, I had some uh, tummy troubles, which could be the name of our, our new, uh, our newest situation, our newest segment. <laughs> tummy troubles. Gotcha. But Aiden was nice enough to make me some uh, miso soup that I'm currently eating. That is actually my dinner. I will be eating it and slurping on soup directly into your headphones while we are watching this movie. It should be great. 
But I have an after-dinner snack situation all set up, and like you said, it's the dinner hour. It needs to be a little fancier, I think. I need to to bring a level of sophistication to what we're doing that uh, I don't usually bring. 50 Cent demands it, to be honest. Because 50 Cent demands it, yeah. Have you noticed that you say 50 and I say 50, and I feel like one of us is wrong and it's probably me? I feel like if I said 50, it would be disingenuous in some way. <laughs> But I, I do think that's also the proper way to say it. I mean, I can tell you, having played through Blood on the Sand twice in its entirety, it is consistently pronounced fitty in that game. And I am just going I'm just going with how it is pronounced. Uh, Fair enough. But I have uh, I have something a little little fancy. I have some uh Boar's Head Suppressata here and ah. some townhouse crackers uh that I am going to get into when I'm done with this uh with this soup situation. From a tummy troubles. That sounds good. Well, Matt, uh, what are you snacking on here? What, what's what's your sitch? Now, let me explain something because I had something planned out for my snack oh, okay. situation before uh, we grouped at our res- respective recording stations to record this. I had gone to visit family in Shelby, North Carolina, earlier today. Which often means that I come home with barbecue. And my plan was to have Red Bridges barbecue in front of me for my snack situation. But when we arrived at Red Bridges barbecue, they had si- this was at 4:30 in the afternoon. They had signs up that said they were out of barbecue for the day. Deserted well, parking lot, out of barbecue. That's literally the worst thing that I can imagine ever happening. It was terrible. So, instead, I'm sitting in front of a Bojangles two-piece meal with some seasoned fries and a biscuit. And that is going to be what I'm snacking on for my snack situation. That's what we got. If you would like to watch along with us, Gun is available for rent on Amazon. Or you could figure out a way to grab it on DVD. We're going to take a little pause right here. Then, after that pause, you're going to hear some music, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about Gun. All right, we are back from watching 2010's Gun, written by and starring... Curtis Fifty Cent Jackson, Chris. This was this was one of those movies that that commits the cardinal sin. <laughs> yeah, this movie. The the thing about this movie is it did the two things that I did not at all expect it to do, which is that it was mega boring and it had really bad music. It was not a good selection of songs by him, and then the score felt like the the pre-installed tracks on a Casio keyboard. Yeah, this movie was was bad. And it's bad in a way that considering who is involved in it is actually pretty interesting, but not interesting enough to make it fun, which is that it it feels like a student film 
that just happens to have 50 Cent and Val Kilmer in it. I'm, I'm going to look up the other movies directed by the director, Jesse Terrero. I would directed, not be surprised if, if this was the only one, at, or, or the first one at least. He's, I guess he was an actor in some movies. Uh-huh. Uh, he was in Soul Plane. Okay. He directed Soul Plane and well, then produced clearly it. he should know what he's doing. He directed a movie called Brooklyn to Manhattan. And then he okay. directed a movie called Freelancers, which is another 50 Cent movie. Okay, okay. And that is his entire filmography. So maybe that explains a little bit. Let's let's get through the plot of this movie though as quickly as we can. I mean, there is not a. It's a pretty thin plot. Yeah, there's a lot of like. This movie has an extraordinary amount of Fifty Cent just talking. Yes. It does not feel like Fifty Cent wrote a movie that plays to his own strengths. <laughs> no, it does not. Not in in any way. Because. So much of this movie, I said at one point when we were watching that this, that instead of Gun, this movie should have been called 50 Cent Explains. Yes. Because but, he spends so much time explaining so many different things. But to be fair, he's not bad. He's not a bad actor in this at all. He's not a bad actor. And as a character choice for, uh, what's his name, Rich? Yeah, as in get rich or die trying. Right, exactly. For Rich to be a type of character who enjoys explaining things to others makes sense in the context of the movie. It's just, like, it is very weirdly written and weirdly, like, presented to the audience. Yeah, I I want to say, like, I want to say that 50 Cent did not write this by himself like like this there had to be a second pass on this script probably uh-huh. but he is the only credited writer so we have I mean, to attribute all the writing in the movie to him that that i don't think is surprising at all because this movie is very writery in a lot of ways very obviously written in a way that I think makes sense for someone who is maybe not familiar with writing screenplays. All right, but we'll get into the, like that stuff about the movie a little later. Let's get through what happens in the movie. Let's get through the five minutes of plot that yes. are in this 80-minute movie. Okay, so the movie opens with Rich, played by 50 Cent, going to a club, and one of his gang members, one of his right-hand men, makes everyone leave the club by throwing some firecrackers on the ground and make it making it sound like someone is shooting inside the club. So everyone runs out of the club because Rich has this one other gun dealer inside the club that they're trying to get to leave so that 50 Cent and his other goons standing outside can shoot that one guy. This in itself seems like a terrible plan, because if their target was just that one guy, why not just get him to leave the club instead of everyone? Matt, did you miss the part where all that was explained? Because they did it to send a message. That's right. That is the explanation that is given. 
there are like 15 things in this movie that someone claims were done to send a message. There's a lot of messaging going on in this film. In this event, in this club, not only is the other gunrunner killed, but 17 people get shot. Seven of them die, including a waitress who is working in the club, who Uh we will find out is an important part of the movie later. Skip ahead like two months. Somewhere in that two-month period, Val Kilmer, whose character is named Angel, gets let out of prison. Right. It is not really explained why he is being let out of prison, but he seems a little conflicted about it. And we see a few scenes of him like sitting in a dingy hotel room, calling someone on the phone and getting a voicemail message. I mean, you say that, Matt, but it is actually very clear why he is being let out of prison. <laughs> he uh, has, is being let out of prison because he is being sent into 50 Cent's gun running operation to, to go state's evidence on them. Yeah, he's being, he's being used as a criminal informant uh, in order to get out of prison. But we don't find this out officially until maybe an hour into this 80-minute movie, I would it is, say. It is obvious from the second he strolls in to the bar-slash-restaurant where 50 Cent hangs out. Yeah. You didn't even just say, like, oh, he's he's being sent in undercover. You said, I bet when they reveal that he's been sent in undercover, it's going to be played as a big twist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's not even in question. Not, not in the least. Because... Val Kilmer, I don't know if this is a great acting choice or a terrible acting choice, but Val Kilmer makes it clear from the very beginning that everything he says is really insincere and disingenuous. Yeah, well, I think it's actually pretty brilliant. And I gotta say, Kilmer does a pretty decent job in this movie, like a pretty fascinating job in this movie, but only if you have seen other Val Kilmer movies. (laughs) Because he is playing very well a person who is terrible at acting. Uh, there's a scene where li- later on where uh, it's actually a really well done scene. I thought one of the highlights of the movie where uh, he's very nervous about meeting with 50 cent because he thinks Fiddy has found him out. Like they're, they're going to go meet at a, a place alone and he's going to like, you know, kill him because we have seen by this point that rich is a very like brutal, no nonsense gunrunner. Like he will kill a man to make a point. Clearly, to send a message. Right. And so he's it's it's Val Kilmer and Fiddy Cent playing off each other. And Rich is like, hey man, you look terrible. And Val Kilmer as as Angel, Angel Hair, as we like to call him, because 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 Fiddy keeps referring to him as Angel here. Yeah. Like I would say, yeah, like uh Matt here is a really cool guy. That's Bonus to you, Matt. But his voice makes it sound like he's saying angel hair a bunch. Yeah. Well, there's a scene after Angel shows up at the bar slash restaurant where 50 Cent and his crew hang out. Uh, He's confronted by a member of 50 Cent's crew who basically tells him, hey, you need to leave. And Val Kilmer gets the better of him in that exchange and ends up punching the guy. And then he goes and sits down with 50 Cent, and 50 Cent explains that 
at one time several years ago, Angel helped Rich get away from a situation where he was almost certainly going to be killed. So that is the basis for Rich's almost ridiculous and stupid level of trust for Angel throughout the movie. And at the beginning of that story, 50 Cent says, Angel Hair. And it sounds exactly like Angel Hair. <laughs> I'm like, Pasta Man yeah. over here. Pasta Man Val Kilmer is going to be my Mania, number two. Val Kilmer. <laughs> Val Kilmer, who looks like he may have visited Pasta Mania a few times. I don't that is to... true. Getting back to three diversions ago, uh, Rich says, Hey, man, you look terrible. And uh, Angel's response is, Oh, I just um, I mean, I just got the I I got a cold, and I'm not really uh like I haven't been really sleeping well. Almost yeah. exactly spoken like that, and and Fifty Cent buys it hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, in that same scene, Angel is just gearing himself up for Rich to like pull out a gun and and kill him because they're in this abandoned factory or whatever it is, this abandoned building. And 50 Cent is talking about how, like, things are getting serious, my operation's about to go big, and and Angel is just, like, just waiting for him to say, I can't believe you ratted me out, right? Yeah. But He's like, in- I have sources in the department that are telling me that I've got a leak in the organization. Yeah. So, but then 50 just, like, turns to him and says, listen, man, I want you to be my number two, because I can't trust these other guys. And Val Kilmer kind of lets out this sigh of relief. And 50 Cent is like, what, you thought I brought you here to kill you? I brought you here so we could shoot some target practice and let off some steam. Yeah, he goes, man, I've just been really stressed. (laughs) (laughs) I like how we we literally skipped an hour of this movie to talk about our favorite scene. That's true. It's, It's the only scene that upturns a trope. Yeah. This movie is full of crime movie tropes. And that's the only scene that kind of, you know, does what you don't expect. Like, kind of upends a trope a little bit. Anyway, the cops are investigating 50 Cent's operation. But they haven't gone hard after him yet. For two reasons. One, they can't connect him to his supply. And two, they don't know who his supplier is. They want to get to the point where they can connect him to a supplier. And that's why they're sending in Val Kilmer. James Remar is the cop that is trying to make this all happen. However, in the middle of James Remar trying to inform the rest of the department about where they are in the investigation, these two ATF agents come walking in and say, hey, the mayor has brought us in here to speed up your investigation of Rich and his gang. Like, you guys need to take him down soon, because the mayor is getting a lot of shit for all these guns being out on the street. And so there's, like, a weird interdepartmental conflict there between the cops and the ATF. But it never really goes beyond, like, James Remar just kind of being a little mad at the ATF guys, and the ATF guys being like, hey, James Remar, investigate faster. And that's about the extent of it. Like, it never really comes to blows. So, 
the middle of the movie is just a lot of stuff where 50 Cent is trying to build up his operation. There's a scene where he meets with Danny Trejo, who is described as this kind of like small-time gangster out of Chicago who is trying to buy some guns from 50 Cent. That deal goes wrong. Like, there's a long scene of, like, 50 Cent and Danny Trejo talking to each other, trying to feel each other out to see if they can trust one another. And and this is where I really notice uh, Rich's very strange way of speaking, uh, which is that he will say these very written lines. Like, he will use words that would generally be used in writing rather than speech, and then his speech pattern alternates between that and kind of like more casual speaking. And I want to stress, like this sounds weird when I say it like that. And I'm not surprised that Rich is is well-spoken at times. But the effect of, of the way that he mixes up his lines is not of a, uh, a gangster that is also well-spoken. It's of someone who is reading lines that are written and then maybe improvising some lines and it makes him feel like he is reading a script. Like it makes the character feel like he's reading a script. Like he will say something like, like, yeah, uh, these motherfuckers, you could shoot them with five or six, nine millimeter bullets and it wouldn't put them down. I met them briefly not too long ago. (laughs) Yeah. It's this weird, like whiplash effect where if it was written consistently, consistently one way or the other, it might not be so noticeable, but he like changes back and forth. And then as we were saying, he's constantly explaining things. The scene where we first hear rich talk at length is a scene where he is explaining different types of guns to a buyer. And there's a part where he gets to, uh, I guess it's a 45 millimeter handgun. And he's talking about this 45 millimeter and, and he's he's just basically saying like this is the most powerful handgun you can buy, and then it sounds like he's reading the Wikipedia page of this handgun. Like like he has got like he's not just like rattling off facts he knows about the gun off the top of his head. It's like he's reading research, you know. Yeah, it is. It is very clear. Like if you plugged that dialogue into Google, it would probably come up with a Wikipedia article. <laughs> Yeah. So the scene with Danny Trejo I, I, ends up. I will up... say, I will say, later in the movie, there's a scene where that speech pattern really, really works well, uh, in a way that it doesn't when he's talking to Angel or or Clinton or any of the other like henchmen that he has. Uh, and it's the scene where he is meeting with a new buyer, who is a, a very clearly like an upper class. Well, th- sort no, of no, buyer. That's his supplier. His supplier. That's, That's his it. first meeting with his supplier, who is John Larroquette. Yeah. John Larroquette, who is playing rich white scumbag. He's racist. Racist rich white scumbag. H- yeah. Half his lines are, I am blatantly racist. Yeah. He even says one line like that directly to 50 Cent's face. Yes. Um, but the th- here's the weird thing about John Larroquette's character, though. Okay. I guess we got to explain this whole thing now. So throughout the movie... 50 Cent meets up with Annalyn McCord, who somehow looks 10 years older than she looked in uh, Santa's Little Helper, which came out 
five years later. Yeah. And I think the reason for that is probably makeup and also hair. It's it's, it's her hair. It yeah. is her it's her hair. Because when we first see her at the very least, you you observe this. She is made up to look exactly like Michelle Pfeiffer in Scarface. Yeah. And then throughout the movie, her hair changes, but she still looks like, you know, the stereotypical female lead in a gangster movie. It's not, I I don't think it's that she looks older. It's that she has the hair of a woman in her 40s. Or or a woman who was in a movie in 1982. Or a woman who was in a movie in the eighties, yeah. Like yeah. it's it's not that she looks older, but she is like her hair is very does not look like someone who would have been like twenty when this movie came out. It also does not help that she neither she nor John Larroquette talk like human beings. No, they speak like robots. They speak like robots or aliens. Like they don't talk. They like it's it's partially their dialogue, but it's also a lot their line delivery. Where they are just like automatons. But it is heavily implied that they either are connected to or directly work for the U.S. Army. Or the U.S. military. Like the Department of Defense. Because at one point, 50 Cent says to a buyer that these guns are coming, quote-unquote, straight from Uncle Sam. And uh, Angel is like, is like, I didn't know you had military contacts. And and Rich goes, Who do you think pays for the lifestyle? So there's this this commentary in there about the military supplying guns to street gangs to you know basically keep as population control. Yeah, but the movie just kind of slips that in there and never does anything more with it, which nope. I guess. I guess it is kind of interesting that the movie takes that as a given, you know? Like, yes, of course this is what's happening. It is totally unresolved. Yeah. But by the end of it, 50 Cent is buying, like, a fucking mortar blaster he buys to sell on the street. A, he buys a sniper rifle from Mass Effect. It's more than just a sniper rifle. This thing makes cars explode. Yeah, it's an it's it's well, you know what it is? It's the anti-tank gun from yeah, Saints Row. That is exactly it. Yes. But he is like in that last shootout scene, he is holding this giant, giant anti-tank gun, shooting at police cars and making them blow up. It is not on a it is not on a tripod, it's not on any kind of mount. He is just shooting oh, yeah. it with no kickback. He's he's fucking roadblocking it, which is great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and also, and I gotta say, this anti tank gun he has could not look more fake. It yeah. look it looks like it is made of spray painted cardboard <laughs> to a hilarious extent. But throughout the movie, he's meeting up with Annalyn McCord, trying to build up a relationship. Also, they are having sex on the side. Um but he's trying to build up a relationship so that he can finally meet John Larroquette and get, like, the best weapons that there are on the street. And that's why he has to, like, make everything look good so he wants to make Val Kilmer his number two guy uh, by the end of it. So that's going on throughout the movie. 
there are some bad buys going on. Val Kilmer's kind of building up 50 Cent's trust by, like, I think he ultimately shoots Danny Trejo. I think he also shoots another guy that set up that buy or set up that deal. So Val Kilmer's kind of building his trust. At no point does Val Kilmer wear a wire to get any evidence on 50 Cent. Like, why would the cops not put a listening device on Val Kilmer? <laughs> like, because there's a scene where Val Kilmer goes back to James Remar, and James Remar's like, well, what do you got for me? You got anything for me? And Val Kilmer's like, uh, no, not really. I guess I can give also, you an address. Also, if he had been wearing a wire, they could have gotten him easily. Because as we've said, Rich likes to explain everything and be very specific. When they meet with Danny Trejo, he basically says, I am here to sell you machine guns illegally. Please get this man a machine gun out of the truck. Yeah, that, is, that, is, that sounds like an exaggeration. But the actual line that 50 Cent says when Danny Trejo is like, well, I want to see the product. You know, I want to see what I'm buying. He makes his guy go to the van. And but the way he does that is he says, hey, get this man a machine gun. Like, he doesn't say, hey, show him the stuff. Or show him the product that we're selling him. He says, get this man a machine gun. After Val Kilmer initially says he doesn't have anything on 50 Cent. James Remar's like, you gotta give me something. So Val Kilmer finally gives him an address, and the address they end up going to has been cleared out. Because 50 Cent says at one point early in the movie that they move around their supply all the time. Like, they never keep it in one place. This makes James Remar furious. So James Remar calls Val Kilmer on the phone and says, like, listen, you have to give me something right now, or you are going back to jail tomorrow. Give me fucking something right now. And finally, Val Kilmer tells him about this buy that they have set up, or this meeting that they have set up to meet with John Larroquette and Annalyn McCord to get their, like, biggest military supply. We should step back and explain how Val Kilmer got pulled into being a CI for the cops. We mentioned how he has been calling somebody on the phone and getting a voicemail. There's a flashback scene, one of many flashback scenes. There are how many flashbacks in this movie, Chris? Four or five? There are like at least four. Okay, let's try and count them. Okay, there's the TV one, which is basically amazing. That's the best. That might be my favorite part of the entire movie. I think we're going to save that. crossover, as I called it when we were watching. We're going to save that for high points. Okay, so there's the TV story. There's the, the story about Val Kilmer and uh, 50 Cent meeting for the first time. Right. The one that happened. That's the first one. There's the story about... Uh, Rich's father being shot because he used a Browning high power nine millimeter and it jammed instead of using a revolver, which wouldn't have jammed. Yeah, which is that, a very specific thing. That explains how instead of becoming Batman, Rich became a guy who uses revolvers. Yeah, there's a, like he describes his his father was a uh, ran numbers and some guy showed up and he didn't have the money for him and so. Uh, 
they shot his father and they shot his mother in front of him, in front of young Rich at like 10 years old. And Rich says to Val Kilmer, can you imagine what that would be like seeing that? And I was like, yes, he can imagine that. He was Batman. (laughs) He sure could. Uh, But no, instead, 50 Cent became a guy who uses revolvers, not any kind of Batman. Um, Yes, father. I must become a revolver. (laughs) So the fourth flashback is to Val Kilmer sitting in a police interrogation room. Or I guess in the visitation room in the prison. And James Remar is there with a folder full of photos. And he slides the folder across the desk and he tells Val Kilmer, Do you hear about that shooting at such and such club uh, a few weeks ago? And Val Kilmer goes, Yeah, I heard about it. Why? And he goes, uh, your, your wife worked at that club, didn't she? And he goes, No, she's never worked there before. And James Remar's like, Well... She works there now, or she did work there now, um, and she was one of the seven people killed in that shooting at the club. And Val Kilmer opens up the folder and sees a picture of his wife having been shot in this, you know, big shooting at this club. And this is how they convince Val Kilmer to go in as a CI against uh, against Rich. Here's what I don't get, though, okay? Angel seems super conflicted about being the CI in Rich's organization, even though he should really deeply want to get revenge for his wife, right? Yeah, he seems to genuinely like Rich a lot. Like, he seems to be very on the fence about whether to give Rich up. And and in the end, okay, so Rich and John Larroquette have their meeting. The cops show up and raid that meeting. John Larroquette and Annalyn McCord get away. So that plot thread is just dropped, right? Their involvement in selling military weaponry for street crime just goes away. But they manage to get hold of Angel and and Rich. But Angel and Rich have this little showdown where in a in a great yet terrible moment of acting, Angel turns around and pulls his gun on Rich. And Rich, 50 Cent, with his eyes as huge as he can make them, says, Man, are you a fucking rat? Like that's what it took that for him to notice <laughs> that Val Kilmer is is ratting on him. At this point, Val Kilmer starts telling Rich about how he had a wife and how he has a daughter. And 50 Cent launches into this impassioned speech about how he and Angel are the same. They're both killers. They can't claim to be different. And and 50 Cent kind of says, you want to be different now? We're the same. And you, you can't tell me you want to be different now. And Val Kilmer just kind of looks at him and like shakes. Finally, he ends up shooting 50 Cent in the gut. And 50 Cent has already been shot in the shoulder by a cop. So 50 Cent like 
is down on the ground, and he's basically just at this point telling Val Kilmer to end it. Like, go ahead and kill him. But then James Remar, who is kind of like shyly been walking around in this abandoned warehouse, walks up behind Val Kilmer and shoots him in the back. Okay? Now you think this might be the end for Val Kilmer, but in fact, it is not. Because the next we see Val Kilmer, he is walking around with like his arm in a sling from being shot in the back. And I took a moment to question this. But Chris, you made a very strong point at at this point about how 50 Cent probably knows more about getting shot than I do. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that. I think if if 50 Cent wants to tell me what happens when someone gets shot, and Matt Wilson wants to tell me what happens when someone gets shot, I'm going to go with 50 on that. I... I will defer to his expertise, for sure. Matt, if you try and tell me about vitamin water and Fiddy tries to tell me about vitamin water, I'm going to listen to Fiddy. Look, F- F- is Fifty name-checked on vitamin water? He used to be, I think. He had his own kind of vitamin water. Yeah. He had his own, like, there was a vitamin water flavor that was Fiddy Sense brand. Look, I would never claim to be more of an expert than Fiddy Sense on the topic of blood on the sand. Okay. Good. Because look, I can't. I can't even show that. I can't even show your expertise. Because it's like it would just be a picture of the blood on the sandbox. That's how minuscule, minuscule your level of expertise is, Matt. <laughs> I, I accept that. I do. Okay. So Val Kilmer just has his arm in a sling, and I think we see him getting reunited with his daughter. I believe that happens. Yeah, he, see, he sees his daughter because his his big thing too to Fiddy at the at the end is you know you you killed you killed that waitress she was my wife you know uh, I have a daughter and you took away the only person she had so you see him reuniting with his daughter at the end who has no name I, I think she is named once when we find out that Val Kilmer has been calling the answering machine to hear his wife his wife's yeah. voice which is a very affecting point and a very sad point but like, the, it, he just keeps calling the house and getting voicemail so that he can hear his dead wife's voice again. It makes me wonder, though, how he knew how to locate his daughter. Or is the implication that James Remar knew where his daughter was and said, if you come through for me, then I'll, I'll get you back with your daughter. I mean, he did know where his wife was, so presumably he has the daughter in, like, Police custody or 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 foster care or whatever, and that's what he's using to get leverage on Angel. Yeah. It's never mentioned though. We just see him reunite with his daughter, and we see Rich going into a jail cell in what might be the most student film shot of the entire movie, as like the jail cell bars pass by the screen, and he just like looks up and stares into the camera. Yeah. All right, Chris, let's do high points of gun. Can we talk about the dialogue in this movie, Matt? Yeah, there are some lines of dialogue that are very, very enjoyable and very clever. Yeah, I, I mentioned about how the a lot of the dialogue seemed very amateurish in a lot of ways. Like, it seemed very first draft-ish. Uh, but I feel like that's worth it to get some genuinely... 
great lines in this movie. Uh, there's a part where after Rich tells Angel that he wants to make him his normal man, like they have a really great exchange where where Rich is like, yeah, I'm going to take you to the mall, get you fixed up and shit. And, and Angel's like, what? What's wrong with my clothes? And he goes, everything's wrong with your clothes. <laughs> but the absolute, well, okay. Also, I wrote this down because it was an amazing line. He's in the beginning when he's showing off a rifle to these guys who are buying it, he like shows up, shows them how it has a flashlight attachment. He's like, you see that white light? You see your loved ones, your lost loved ones. Yeah. That line is kind of great by being, or great by being terrible. Yeah. It, but it the was absolute best line. And this, I think, is in the running for best line in a movie fighter's movie. Which I don't know what that would be up till now. Probably every line in Miami Connection is currently tied for first place. <laughs> but there is an exchange uh, between Angel and Rich when they first meet up after uh, after Angel kind of gets into uh, Fiddy's club and kind of sits down. Uh and Fiddy says, what you into now? Crime. Crime? Crime. Yeah. yeah. That is the exchange. Yeah. It's, it's, you know what? It's, it's almost as good as, I don't know if it's intentional in the way that the line from Repo Man is, but it's, as almo- it's almost as good as the line from Repo Man where Marlene, the character Marlene, says, let's go do some crimes. I think it says a lot that that's what you went to, and I immediately went to that one very early Super Sentai show where the bad guys were criminal organization crime, <laughs> and they were called crimers. That's, that's but good I too. I do love the idea. Hey, what are you? What are you into now? Crime. Yeah, and then like that is the line, and then Rich cannot believe what he is hearing, which makes it even better. Well, it's another example of Val Kilmer. Being a terrible actor, right? Like Val Kilmer being terrible at because, like, in a parody, in a joke version of somebody being sent into a criminal organization and being terrible at acting like wanting to be a criminal, the line you would write would would be, "Hey, what are you into now? Um, crime. What crimes are you doing? <laughs> you know, I'm here, to, I'm here to do crimes. Yeah. And and it's weirdly really enough. Fun. Weirdly enough, I think Val Kilmer is a high point of this movie. Oh, I think Val Kilmer is absolutely a high point of this movie. If this was the first time you had ever seen Val Kilmer, you would think he was a terrible actor. And then you would go watch, like, Tombstone, and you'd be like, oh, no, Val Kilmer is, like, super method. Yeah. And what he did was, you know, he's playing a nervous man who's bad at acting. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of great. Like... It just makes Fifty Cent look stupid, though. That's the only problem with it. Well, it makes... I think I think it makes I think it makes Rich stupid. But I do feel like, as another high point, Rich is kind of an interesting character. Nothing that happens in this movie is particularly interesting. Like it's very rote and it's very basic. But I do feel like Val Kilmer's performance and Fifty Cent's performance is rich. Very interesting. Well, there's a certain magnetism to Fifty Cent, like. Anytime he smiles, like, there's something, like, you know, it's kind of hard to dislike him. Like, that entire scene where he's meeting with John Larroquette and talking in this almost, like, 
stilted business-like way because he wants to seem professional for John Larroquette. He's smiling the whole time, and it it gives like a different tenor to everything he's doing. It, it's really interesting. Like, like I kind of think Fifty Cent is not a bad actor based on this movie. What other high points? Oh, the TV story. Okay, the TV story is pretty great. There's one point in the movie, out of nowhere, we just cut back to the restaurant slash bar where Fifty and his crew hang out. And one of his gang members is telling this story about Rich, where they all grew up in a group home. And they all wanted to watch different stuff on TV. Like, they couldn't agree on what to watch on TV. So what they decided was, each kid got a different night to watch what they wanted to watch on TV. And what Rich wanted to watch was Golden Girls. He liked Golden Girls. And, like, the guy who is telling the story is just like, hey, man, whatever you want to do, much love. So he wanted to watch Golden Girls. And then this new kid walks in and just starts changing the channels. This new kid who is much bigger than all the other kids. And Rich goes and walks, like, calmly walks out of the room. He walks back in, and he's got this black-and-white TV, this old black-and-white TV. And they think that Rich is going to, like, plug it in and try to watch Golden Girls on the different TV. Instead, he smashes the TV over the bigger kid's head. And there's a shot of the kid with, like, a TV, like a TV where his head would be. Yeah, like like he doesn't go screen down on his head. He takes the bottom of the set and puts it on the guy's shoulders. Yeah. (laughs) And so he looks like one of those TV people from Saga. And, like, the story is apropos of nothing, because we already know that Rich is, you know, a badass, right? We have, have by this point in the movie, seen Rich uh, hang a guy upside down. Uh, and and just smash his balls with a baseball bat repeatedly. Yeah. So there's there's no reason for this story to be in the movie other than it's just funny. And it's actually maybe Fifty Cent's best piece of writing in the entire movie. Yeah. Like it's the most compelling story of the movie. It is the perfect like it is the perfect combination of a funny story, but also a horrible, shocking thing to have happened. That it is the perfect story for these badass gunrunner dudes to sit around like drinking and laughing about. And it's got interesting, funny little details in it, like Rich loved Golden Girls, right? Like Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's good. Really solid. Alright, what are our low points of gun? Uh well it's not very good. Yeah, it's <laughs> it is a problem. There are a lot of lulls. Um they're I wrote like down very early in the movie. This movie is very difficult to focus on. Yeah. Like, and I don't know if that's me. I don't know if that's, you know, I've, like we said, we're watching this later at night than we normally do. I've already had a very full day. Matt, I got up at 8 o'clock this morning. Wow. So, you know, that very rarely happens. Yeah, I do. Uh, but yeah. this movie is like, it does not hook you visually. It's, like we said, it's not directed very well. It's It's in the realm of student film. Like... None of the shots are particularly interesting. Um, 
Yeah, it's not visually striking at all. And there is a camera pointed at the actors most, if not all of the time. Yeah. And for a movie that's this talky, like, you know, there may be four gunfights in the movie Gun, but the rest of it is very talky. And, and the gunfights themselves, uh, up to the point where uh, 50 Cent is standing in the middle of a warehouse wearing a sweater vest, holding an anti-materiel rifle, and like shooting, like sh- blowing up cop cars with it, the gunfights and the action are also very, very boring. They're like, kind very, of, very static, very, they're, they're very uninteresting. By, they're very by the numbers. They're yes. like TV cop show gunfights. They're very TV cop show gunfights. They're very, you know, let's set the camera in, like, a medium ways away, and these guys will pretend to shoot each other. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's none of it's shot very ex- in an exciting way. And for something with as, as much talky scenes as this has, you really need that. Like, yeah. it needs to have some kind of hook to it to for keep you interested. For a movie that has what I do think are genuinely fairly interesting characters... They don't do anything interesting. And the interesting stuff they do is all stuff that we've seen before or or feels very basic and uninteresting. Like, th- there are only, like, a couple of scenes in this movie where I was surprised by anything. Well, I, this is what we were talking about earlier. It feels like this movie is kind of a collection of tropes. Yes. It's, it's sort of, you know... Some of the things you would expect to see in a crime genre movie. Yeah, I mean, there are like five or six overt references to Scarface. Yes. Absolutely. Like lines lifted from Scarface. Yeah. Like Anna 50... McCord looking like she is from Scarface. 50 Cent beating somebody up with a bat to, to yeah. make a statement. After quoting Scarface. Yeah, and it's like... Like a, a lot of the, the like the bad decisions that the criminals make are written off with they're making a statement, you know. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the bad soundtrack. Like you would expected this movie to have much better music than it did. Val Kilmer and and Fifty Cent are pretty good actors in this. Everyone else is pretty bad. James Remar is shockingly bad. Shockingly bad. Um, Annalyn, as we said, Annalyn McCord and John Larroquette talk like robots. I mean, Annalyn McCord is honestly barely there in this movie. Yeah. I mean, same goes for John Larroquette. Like, John Larroquette's just sit there to say some racist stuff, and then he's pretty much gone. Yeah, um, that is, look, not inaccurate. But, like, yeah, James, like, all the cops are exceedingly terrible. And I don't know why James Remar delivers such a bad performance, but it is it is a rough go. All right, Chris, what do we got for final thoughts on Gun? Uh, a very a very nothing movie to for us to have found out about this movie. Because look, we talked about doing a lot of movies for our last rapper slash actor right back at you movie. Yeah, we, we talked up... about doing Wild Wild West. We did. Which I think would have been a grand old time. I th- we ended up settling on wanting to do a 50 Cent movie, though, because of Chris's affinity for 50 Cent, Blood on Love the him. Sand. And because I feel like he is an appropriate fit with the other with the other rappers that we have had 
unwrapper slash actor right back at you. Like, I feel like doing Wild Wild West is kind of a cheat. Because Will Smith was a rapper, sure. But is certainly known more as an actor now, as a movie star. Like, number one, he appears in movies. Kind of my goal for this series was to watch movies where people who are chiefly known as rappers are the stars of films. Which is why, you know, well, I guess Ice Cube sort of cheats that too. But I feel like he's like on the line now. He's the closest. Yeah. I mean, I will say, Will Smith is the guy who wrote the line, rapper slash actor, right back at you. That is true. Now, we, we had also talked about doing Cradle to the Grave, but then we had kind of already done DMX when we did Romeo Must Die. And we had already done a Jet Li movie, too. So. so, I feel like there's enough here for us to revisit this in what I would like to call rapper to actor, if we ever get back to it. I think we can and should. But, like, for us to have gone, we're not going to watch Wild Wild West, which is, you know, a a ridiculous and notorious movie that I think is actually better than people give it credit for. We're not going to watch Cradle to the Grave, which is also ridiculous and was requested. We're going to watch this movie because it was written by 50 Cent, stars 50 Cent, has Val Kilmer, James Remar, and Santa's Little Helper in it. For the, you know, for us to go in with all of that information, and for us to have kind of been this bored, and just let this, you know, we let this movie wash over us because that is all we could do. Like, there was nothing to engage with in this movie other than Rich and Angel being kind of interesting characters, or at least characters made up of interesting choices. Yeah, Th- there was potential for this movie to be so much crazier, and it did not yeah. deliver on that. There was potential for this movie to do everything that it did in a much more interesting way, which I think is what's really frustrating. It's not that it's, you know, yes, we obviously wanted a super weird, super big, shoot 'em up like, bonkers uh, action movie with, you know, Fiddy and Val Kilmer going back to back and taking on, taking on an army. But that's not what we got. We're, we got a, a, a very bland drama that I think still could have been more interesting without it being the movie that we kind of expected it to be going in. Looking back on rapper slash actor right back at you, Chris, is there, are there any of these movies that you would go back and watch again? Or have we, have we gone over four of these movies? I want to say the best one. I mean, the best one was definitely either Triple X Two or Romeo Must Die, right? I think, and I think you you kind of have to give it to Triple X Two, yeah, because of that scene where they are like driving a tank through Washington D.C. Well, I I think Triple X Two wins just by by virtue of doing weird shit that you don't expect, like opening on a horse farm, right? Opening on a horse farm. We also found out. There was like a prequel video, like a, I don't know if it is a I don't know if it is a a scene that was included on the DVD. I don't know if it was a released as a promotional thing, but we did find out that there is a Triple X Two prequel 
in which Xander Cage's resort is is destroyed, and the only thing that is not blown up is the scrap of skin from the back of his neck where he has the triple X tattoo. <laughs> so that at least I would go back and watch because that's bananas. Yeah, um, and I think the the movie that we can agree we would never watch again, and that is the absolute worst. Was uh, I got the hookup? Oh yeah. It was it was a tough time, uh, but I think we did okay on our first attempt at rapper slash actor. I would like to come back to this eventually, but that is going to wrap us up for this attempt at rapper slash actor. Right back at you, our first go. Our music is by Michael Kill. Our website was designed by Sean Bogus. Uh, check out our Tumblr. I think we're intermittently. Updating that now. At, One of uh, us should. Moviefighterscast.tumblr.com. Uh, our website is moviefighterscast.com. You can get lots of cool stuff at those places. We will be back once again in two weeks with a brand new series of movies. We're going to kick off something new. Let us know what you would like that to be, maybe. It might help us figure that out. You can email us at moviefighterscast at gmail.com to let us know. Thanks once again for listening, everybody. We have rapper slash actor right back at you. Hope you enjoyed it. Be back in two weeks. Media production. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. <clears throat> Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Chibata collection. How do you want it? Ooh, I'll take the slam poetry. Sure. Italian Chibata with fresh mozzarella. When hunger reigns, you're my flavor umbrella. Tasty garlic steak and provolone. With you, my taste buds are never alone. Savory chicken pesto. You have my affection. For you complete the Chibata collection. Thank you. Get them before they're gone at Subway. Limited time only at participating restaurants.